Luke chapter 2, 21 through 32. And at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. And he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. What are you doing this year in your quest to find peace? Let me offer that question to you this morning. What are you doing this year in your quest to find peace? I call it a quest very intentionally. You see, we have all been through this many times, some of us more than others. We get to the holiday season the Christmas songs start coming up, the, the Christmas movies start coming out, the old claymations, the new ones, the, the Hallmark Channel, all of these different movies, and they all seem to contain a similar message, and that is that this is a time of the year in which you and I are to experience peace. It's an, it almost seems as if it's this, this expectation that's put onto you and onto me that you're supposed to be at peace this time of year. And if you don't, well, everyone else is. Look at the movies. Look at the Hallmark Channel. I'll make fun of the Hallmark Channel a little bit. And yet, you and I also know how elusive peace can truly be. Elusive, something that is just in front of us, something that we see, something we're reminded of, something that is so clear to all of us, yet just outside of our grasp. And those few times that we get peace, we create things to give us peace. We work hard for peace. It's not something that can happen naturally. What are those things that you do? 
Maybe you decide to invite family into town. Maybe you decide to take vacation off of work. Maybe you decide to shutter yourself into a room and just avoid. We all do different things to get a sense of peace. But the thing about each and every one of those things, and they may not be bad in and of themselves, but they're temporary. They're temporary moments of peace. They're distractions, right? Distractions from the other things in our lives. Distractions from the work projects coming back up to us in January. Distractions from perhaps family struggles, family dynamics, family issues. Distractions from perhaps health concerns. Distractions from lost loved ones that make Christmas look different this year. And again, not all of these quests for peace are in and of themselves bad, but what they do is they put us in this place of recognizing that the worldly peace, I'm going to say worldly in the sense of not necessarily sinful, but in the sense of things that you and I do in our own strengths, our worldly quests for peace are always temporary, always never fulfilling, always unsatisfying. And they bring us, perhaps in this space of saying, that's just how life is. It's almost a surrender to the situations around us. But are we satisfied with that? Maybe some of us have been so burned by that in the past that that's just how we think. Maybe some of us are sitting in those places knowing the disappointments that may come up and ask, is there something more that's out there? Is there something better? Is there something that will give me true peace? I think that answer to that question is yes. And I think the answer to that question is found in the passage we just read. Luke chapter 2, 21 through 32. If you, if you have a Bible, feel free to open up to that section. If not, pull out a phone. If not, that's okay. I believe that the, the scriptures are found up on the screen behind me. This is a part of what is known as the, the story of Jesus Christ or the account of the birth of Jesus Christ, depending on how you may think of it. This is a part of the account or the story that is oftentimes forgotten about. It's not the nativity scene. It's not the, the wise men, which the wise men aren't there yet. Just going to put that out there. It's that almost, this, that time where life seems to be getting in the way. There's, there's things coming up. There's things to do. The shepherds have to go back to the sheep. The Mary and Joseph, they, they have to go to the temple. They have to do these sacrifices and these purification rituals in order to be obedient to the law of Moses that they have given themselves to. It's that time in, in the story where it almost seems like people start going back through the motions because that's just what you do. Does that sound familiar to your holiday season? You just got to go and you got to get the gifts. You got to cook the dinner. You got to go to church. 
We're in that part of the Christmas story. There's not as much glamour in this moment, but in this moment, we're introduced to a wonderful individual whose name was Simeon, whom we know incredibly little about. We know nothing of his context. We know that he more than likely was an older gentleman. We know that he was more than likely a Jew. He was living in Jerusalem. And we know that he had been told something wonderful by God. It says that he was waiting for the, the consolation of Israel, that, that, that at rest, that fulfillment is another word, that peace. He was actively seeking it. And not just that, but he had been told by the Spirit of God that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew word, Messiah. They're the same word. He was waiting for God's Messiah to be sent. Those expectations that had been anticipated in the prophets of the Old Testament, those wonderful promises of peace, of God with us, of a wonderful counselor. He was told he wouldn't die until he had seen that with his own eyes. Imagine what a promise that is. Imagine what that does to you, that anticipation, that waiting. You know that there's something at the end of this tunnel. You know that there's something better. You just don't know what it looks like yet. We don't know at what point in his life he was told this. It may have been in the later parts of his life. It may have been earlier. Imagine living your life knowing you're going to see that at some point before you die. We don't know. But what we do know is he just so happened to find himself in the temple, on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, at the time that Mary and, and Joseph, as good, obedient Jews under the Mosaic law, would have done, go to the temple, go through the rituals and the sacrifices and the purification and all that sort of stuff. Just, they got to get this stuff done before they can make their way back home. And he sees this baby. Look at what it says. It says that just, just in, 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 a, in a random account of events, he sees this baby, this infant, this, 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 this individual, this miracle of life. And it clicks for him. It comes together. If you thought of somebody or that would come and satisfy all of your questions, what would you think of? Who is that to you? Is that someone who's powerful? Is that someone who's strong, who's influential, who's wise, who's smart? Who would that be for you? For many of us, it probably wouldn't be a baby, but maybe for some of us. For him, he saw this baby, and we don't know how, we don't know why, but he put two and two together. He connected the dots somehow in this, this point where God was guiding him towards what he knew he needed most. And it says that he took this baby into his arms. I would assume he asked for permission first. And he said this, this prayer, and I want to repeat this again. It's in verses 29 through 32. It says... This, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace 
according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. He was able to look at this child, hold him up into his arms, and say, God, with all that I've been through, with all the good and the bad and the ugly and all those quests to find you and find peace and find satisfaction in life, all these different things that I hold so dearly, I'm good now. I've seen it. I've seen what you offer me. I've seen what you are giving so freely. And he didn't know how this baby might fulfill that. He didn't know of the cross. He never seen it. He may have, I don't, we don't know how he put it together in his mind. That's a mystery to us. The writers don't tell us. We don't know how, he didn't know how this baby might save him. He just knew that he saw this baby and he saw the fulfillment of everything he held dear. He saw God in his hands. How powerful to be holding a baby and to see God in his hands. Such a beautiful picture of the beauty of God who in all of his wisdom and humility and all of his power and authority started so amazingly and as Philippians 2 tells us, he, he came to this earth. He lessened himself. He came into human form completely man and completely God. A miracle that's confused people for thousands of years is expressed in a baby. And in that baby, he finds peace. He doesn't find peace because this baby can cover any financial needs he has. He doesn't find peace because this baby is going to be able to maybe counsel him through situations in life. He finds peace in this baby because... It says, my eyes have seen your salvation. Have seen salvation. Not financial gain, not influence, not power, not wisdom, not insight, salvation. Simeon knew of the place that you and I are in. He knew of the place that his people were in. And they were in desperate need for something greater than them to come and pull them out of the sin in themselves and the sin in the world around them. He knew he needed a savior. And his peace was not founded in these, 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 these artificial or these worldly things. Again, I use that word lightly. His peace wasn't founded in whether or not the, the dinner goes just right. And I can, I can say that. I'm the cook in my family. He didn't say that in, the, in, the, in, the, in the, whether or not the gifts were going to be just perfect and whether the family would finally get along this year and whether those issues would finally be resolved. He didn't say that peace in those things. He said that peace in something deeper, that being his soul. Because, friends, above all of those things that take up so much of our mind, the greater need that you and I have is getting right our souls with a holy God, with a perfect God, who warns of the sin inside of each of us that separates us from him. 
Christmas is this time in God's story where he penetrates his creation. The painter jumps into the painting and lives that perfect and holy life that we see in the New Testament without sin, without blemish, without fault, and yet still, though he himself was completely righteous, gave that up, took on the sins of you and I and every other soul in all of creation and bore it on the cross. By his wounds we are healed. By his stripes we are made whole. And so, when, we, when, when, when Simeon sees this prayer, he says, I have all these things around me. I have all this chaos in this chaotic world. I have all these things that do not leave me satisfied, but if I look to Jesus, if I look to this baby who would one day save me from my sins, and if I believe that with my full heart, soul, mind, and strength, surrender myself to God's will, then I can depart in peace. What would it take in your life right now to be able to say the prayer that Simeon says here? What would it take? I wonder if there's someone in this room or listening online who has heard the Christmas story or the account of Jesus Christ multiple times over the course of their life in and outside of movies and in and outside of family gatherings and whatever that is, but has never truly come to the understanding that it's more than just a story. It's more than just sentimentalism. It's more than just something we say around the fireplace. But it is a living, breathing rescue plan from God to us from ourselves. My prayer is that you and I, that this whole, anybody listening, would be able to pray what Simeon said in total confidence that no matter what happens in this life, we know that there is a bigger peace for us. This worldly peace we seek is temporary, but this godly peace that he gives us is eternal. And that godly, divine peace is only attainable through surrendering our lives to Jesus believing that he not only was born into this earth completely God and completely man, but he lived a perfect life and died a perfect death for us imperfect sinners. And for those of us who may have prayed that prayer, whether yesterday or decades ago, what is stopping you from embracing that true peace. The, the tension of the Christian life is, is knowing the answer, but constantly finding ourselves going for something else, isn't it? Christians who, who have embraced this truth know of the gospel. We've told ourselves this multiple times. We've prayed to God multiple times. We've read his scriptures. We know of the peace he's given us, and we've embraced that peace, and yet we still find ourselves looking to other things that distract us, Right? What does that look like for you this holiday season? What has gotten in your way of embracing the true peace that you know so much in God and yet find yourself looking to something else? Christmas will come and go. Gifts will come and go. The meal will come and go. These yuletide carols and this culture-wide quest of finding peace in this time of season will come to an end 
But what is stopping you from carrying on that peace and something greater than that peace come January? Is that an unresolved conflict with a friend or a family? Is that a wrestling with God as your expectations for life did not meet with God's plan for your life? Is it that you have been struggling with a specific sin or issue that you know is in need of repenting and turning to God? What is that for you? My prayer for you is there would be no separation. There would be no distraction from the God you've put your faith in. That there would be nothing that would come in between you and God. 